The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. If you would, take your Bibles out. We're still in Philippians this morning. but We're back in chapter 1, or we're still in chapter 1, maybe I should say. Uh, I'm kind of just trying to figure out where I need to go, and I, I, I like the book of Philippians. <clears throat> I was thinking about what is it as a group we really need, and, and maybe more than just a group here at the church, but really as a, as a nation, and maybe smaller scale, maybe just here as a county. Uh, and we may think we can't have much impact on the nation, but maybe we can. And kind of as I was thinking about that, the, conclu- the conclusion I came to was that we need our joy restored. If you kind of look around and you think about all the things we see and hear and even in conversations, it seems that we've kind of lost our joy in a lot of cases. And we need what King David prayed for so long ago in Psalms 51.12. He, he prayed to the Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. That's what... That's what David, he recognized that he was in a dry, thirsty place spiritually, and he was in a dry and thirsty time in his life, and he prayed, Lord, would you just restore to me the joy of of your salvation that you've given me? And I think most of us realize that once we're saved, we can't lose our salvation, and uh, it's so uh, apparent that most of us know that, but we may forget that we can lose the joy of our salvation. We... we, uh, we have our lives, and sometimes the ingredient, uh, missing ingredient of our lives is joy. And we do live in a world of, of long faces and heavy hearts, and we don't uh, even see joy in the lives of people that exhibit it the most, and that's Christians a lot of times. We don't see that joy in, in their life. In fact, if there's anywhere that uh, it seems conspicuously absent, it's probably in the Christian life often and in the church. And any Christian that's feeling down or discouraged or... Uh, about anything, I would encourage you to go read the book of Philippians because it's a book of joy. And 16 times during these four brief chapters, Paul speaks about inner joy. And there's so much bickering in Christian circles so often, a complaining, a lot of unhappiness, and that's never the way it was intended to be. And, and uh, Christians, we were meant to be filled with love, we were meant to be filled with joy, we were meant to be filled with peace. So I hope you'll join with me today and as we talk about restoring the joy. Now, I want to remind you, we've done this a couple times over the past few weeks, that Paul is writing this letter... For the past two years, he's been imprisoned in a, at Caesarea without trial. Now he's uh, being held in a, uh, for an unknown amount of time. The Bible doesn't say how long. In, in Caesarea, in Caesar's jail. Now he's in Rome in Caesar's jail. We don't know how long he's been there. He survived a shipwreck as he was being transported to Rome. He uh, has been deserted by most of his friends. Uh, he could be executed at any time. It's just a, a word from, from Caesar, and he would be executed. It doesn't sound like a situation that would lend itself to the writing of a church about joy. But that's where we find Paul. No, no other book in the Bible speaks more of joy than Paul's letter to the Philippians. 
So I would encourage you to go and to look and to, to, to study the book of Philippians if you find yourself robbed of your joy. And there's about three or four things I want us to look at this morning as we, as we look at Paul. What I, my aim this morning is this. How do we have this joy? Where do we find this joy? It would be easy just to say, well, we accept Christ and we, we have this joy that he gives us. Well, the joy is available, but sometimes it, it takes something on our part to maintain this joy. And I think we find this in Paul's life and really understanding how Paul encouraged the church and also how Paul found joy within himself. So the first thing, Paul greets the church with joy. He greets them with joy. And Philippians chapter 1, we're in chapter 1 and we're going to be in verse 1 and we're going to go all the way down through verse 11 this morning. But but. Verses 1 and 2, Paul greets them in joy. He says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, and with the bishops and with the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul greets the believers at Philippi, not as anyone who's superior to them. He simply greets them as this, fellow servants of the Lord. He recognizes that they, they're in a partnership. He addresses them as saints and, and the church at Philippi. He's, saints here is not saying that he's, he's a, he is some designation of some superior believer or some, some, some greater super believer. He, he, he simply, it simply means that, that they're, they're a true believer. It doesn't mean they're without sin. He simply describes them as, as every true believer is a saint. I've said that a lot of times from up here. If you're a, if you're a born again Christian, you're a saint. And Paul addresses the saints as, as fellow servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, he finds joy in that. Well, what I want us to do this morning is we think about how Paul greeted the church, as we think about how the church greeted one another, as we think about the joy that Paul had, how does that apply to us? And how can we put that into play in our church? So, so Paul's greeting them in joy. He finds that joy in them. That's the first thing. Here's the second, second thing. Paul offers joyful thanks for their involvement in his life. He offers this, this thanksgiving to them for, for enjoyment of their life. And, and what, it was, uh, what, what was all about the people of Philippi that, that allowed Paul to find joy in them? And that's what we want to we look at. He, he first was thankful for the happy memories of the people. Now, I sat this morning, and I, I started yesterday and then a little bit Friday, but especially this morning I was sitting, and, and I began to think about all the people uh, that I've been involved with in churches, and these don't have to be people that have passed away, that have really brought you joy or brought me joy. And I want you to do that for just a minute. Isn't it great to think about all of those folks that that if you grew up in church, even if you didn't grow up in church, if you've just been coming to church for a short time, just to remember those people in whom you you found joy in. You found joy being around that person. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a deacon. Maybe it was a, a someone you sat with or you talked with, somebody you fellowshiped with. But but just just for just a moment, think about, bring to mind some of those people that you found joy in. I was sitting there this morning, and I just began to think about the church I grew up in and some of the churches I've ministered in. I've been in several different churches, and, and I just thought about making a list of, of just saying, you know, I, 
I, boy, I, I loved that person. I had fun with that person. We served together. We, we were on committees together. We went on mission trips together. We, we did all of these things together. And, you know, when you begin to think about those things, it brings joy to you, doesn't it? And I hope that you can sit this morning and, and just kind of stroll back down memory lane and, and think about those people that's been involved in your life spiritually in your life that you found joy in. That's what Paul has done. He says he's thankful for those happy memories of those people in verses 3 through 5. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you, for all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day even to now. See, that's exactly what Paul was doing. He was in a prison, and I I can imagine to myself as he sat there in prison, he just began to think about those people in his life, those people from his past that that he just, he had a remembrance of them, and, and he just thanked God for their memory. And in thanking God for their memory, he, he remembered that joy that he had with those folks. And I believe that's how Paul, that's what sustained Paul as he was there in prison and he was maybe facing death and not really knowing his future. He was able to go and, and find happy memories of the people that he was in his church with. And, and does that mean there were not sad times? No. Were there difficult times? Of course there was. But, but during those times, he said, you know what? The good times, they outweighed the worst times and the bad times. And, and Paul speaks of that fellowship that he had with them. And the church at Philippi, he, it meant more than, than just a sense of camaraderie. It, it was a word that really meant the word he used to be caught up into communion that was created by God. That's the word he used. I, I find joy and I remember as we were caught up together in communion with God. And we were there together and we worshiped together. Think a moment about the makeup of this church in Philippi. It's a lot like churches today. It's made up of, of people from outside the church that have very little in common. In this particular church, the, the church at Philippi, it was, it was seemingly a large Gentile church. We kind of know that from the names that are associated with these, this church. But in this church, there was a local jailer and his family. That's, and we're not going to look at all these scriptures, but that's according to Acts 16, 25 through 30. There was a, a slave girl there that was, that was delivered from demon possession. That's in Acts chapter 16, 16 through 18. There was a, a businesswoman there named Lydia. That's Acts chapter 16, 14 through 15. If you look at all of these people and, and even a larger number, apparently there was very little there that would bind them together in worldly standards. I mean, they didn't have a lot in common out in the world, but the important thing is they came together because of their love for the Lord. They came together and, and they were involved in His church. And, and that church is what Paul remembered. In Paul's day, the, the world was filled with, with barriers that separated people. Just as it is today, there was barriers of race and wealth and education and culture. All of these different barriers separated people. But, but when they came into fellowship with one another, none of those things mattered anymore. And as they came together, they simply loved one another. And the world marveled at that, that they had this love for one another. And, and that's what Paul found joy in. He found joy in that group of people that came together and that loved God and it was enjoyed and was, uh, was it part of his ministry. The second thing, he was thankful because he had an unshakable confidence in God. Now hear that, he had an unshakable confidence 
in God. And through that, he found some joy. In verse, chapter six, uh, verse 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Notice with me in, in verse 6, the words began and complete. Who, who started? Who began this work in our lives? He, he, that's Jesus Christ. And he says, Christ began this work in you. Folks, if you're born again today, if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, He began a work within you. And, and the Bible says He is faithful and He's going to bring that work to completion. When Jesus was on the cross, you remember what He said His last words on the cross was? He said this, It is finished. As he was on the cross, that's John nineteen twenty. In the original Greek, that, that word he used, teletestai, it means to finish something or to complete something. And that's the word here that, that Paul's using. He's, he's using that word that says he's going he's gonna to bring to completion. He's going to finish all that he started in your life. This Philippians 1, 6, it's one of the greatest verses in the Bible along with Romans 8, 38 and 39. We're not going to read that. In John 10, 27 through 28, it teaches the doctrine of the, the perseverance of the saints or the, the once saved, always saved doctrine that, that no one has ever, that's ever been saved, truly saved, can ever be lost. And, and Paul says, I have confidence in those things. And it's God who originates it. It's God who carries out His work, and it's God who's going to complete His work. And when we find ourselves with our joy robbed, remember this. If you're a born-again Christian, God says, I've got a hold of you, and I've began a work in you, and I'm going to bring that work to completion. And then He uses a word. This word kind of melts into this perseverance. As, as humans in a whole, we, we kind of have a problem with the word perseverance. And and the reason I think is this, I think it's because in our lives, maybe you're, you don't fit in this category. I do occasionally. You ever started something and not completed it? Somebody give an amen. Not for your husband or your wife, but for yourself. How many times have we uh, just envisioned this this? Whatever we're doing with this great enthusiasm, we see what we want to do, we, we get started, we're, we're just uh, we're enthusiastic about it, we're, we're going at it, and then all of a sudden, the project just kind of grinds to a halt. We, we just kind of burn out, we kind of lose the enthusiasm, we kind of we just uh, get sidetracked, we may even get off on another project that we like even more. And, and because of that, because so often in our life we experience that, I think we've, we forget, a, we have a problem with the word perseverance. But what Paul is saying, hey, God has started and he's going to persevere. He's going to complete it. He's not going to get halfway through and say, ah, oh, I, I think I'll drop you as my project over here, Jake, and I'm going to move to this person. He says, no, I started this project and I'm going to complete it to the very end. Charles Swindoll, he, he says this, Joy is a choice. It's a matter of attitude that stems from one's confidence in God. That God is at work. That God is in full control. That He is in the midst of whatever's happening, whatever has happened, or whatever will happen. 
He says that's where we find our joy, to, to realize that God's in complete control. He began a work. He's going to complete a work. And regardless of, of what has happened and, and regardless of what's happening right now or what's, regardless of what's going to happen, God's still in control and, and God still has a plan. And, and there's an implication for us. Paul witnessed how God had laid a, a foundation in others and, and we can do that also. And, and we know that God has laid a, a foundation in people in this church. And, and in this church, we become one body. And, and, and if you think of someone who's, whose hand that you've seen, uh, you've seen God's hand clearly work in their lives and you've, you've really experienced something from them, tell them so because what a great word of encouragement to say, you know, God, I've seen God using you and, and, and it's ministered to me. It's helped me in this area. And, and think of the joy that comes from that. That joy comes to you. But that joy also comes to the other person, doesn't it? And that's exactly what Paul is doing. Is he, he's remembering them. He finds joy in them. And then he talks about the confidence in God. And then he begins to talk about their work. And he finds joy in there. The third thing, he held a warm affection for these fellow believers. Look at, at verse 7 and 8. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all because... I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both for my chains and defense of my confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about where did Paul find joy? One place he found joy. He found joy in the affection for fellow believers. He said to them, I carry you in my heart. I, I remember you. He says, you're partakers of this with me. You, we're under the same grace. We're, all, we're partakers of the same ministry. And because of that, Paul found his joy. And, and one of the benefits of, of being a pastor for a long time in the same place is, is folks, we've had, a lot of, we've had a lot of chances to participate with, a, with, with different ministries in the church. And, and it's fun to go, and we find joy in the fact of, of being able to go back and, and remember those ministries and, and get together and plan those events and, and get together and work in those events. We, we have an ongoing partnership within this church, and, and we can set, and when we can remember those times and we can plan those new times. I want to tell y'all something. We, we had a work day last Sunday. We, we, every third week we have a mission project here in East Delta. I think you probably know that. And, and I hate listing names, but if I miss somebody, just say, well, you missed it. The Thurmans came and the Martins came and their kids and the Bradshaws came and, and Ray and his grandsons were there and, and Dylan was there and Denise was there and I was there. Did I miss anybody? Kendra, Kendra was there. Yeah, Kendra actually sweated some out there, and and uh, the boys were dirty faced. I, I said, y'all, do y'all have any idea how dirty y'all's faces are? And and uh, we we cut a tree down that had fallen in a lady's yard, and we tore down a deck, and we tore down an old playhouse, and and huh? The Martins. I said the Martins were there, and listen up, don't fall asleep during sermon. But you know what? We had a... Did y'all have a good time? I had a good time. We, we, we did all of that in an hour. And uh, we, we just got to spend some time together. And, and what a joy that was. 
And, you know, we could have stayed at home and, and not, been, not been partakers of the ministry. And, and I think that's what, that's what Paul was saying. You know, I, I, held a, I hold a warm affection for my fellow believers, and we're all partakers in the same ministry. And, and folks, I think when we think about joy, sometimes we need to ask ourselves, am I a participant in what God is doing or am I a spectator? And, and we need to be involved in what God is doing through His church. It's, it's not a group of people in the church that, that minister, but the church itself that reaches out into the community and, and ministers. And I think the more we're involved, the more we're going to find joy. And if you've lost that joy, have you lost it because no longer are you serving, no longer you're a part of what God is doing, but, but you've kind of become a spectator, kind of on the sideline watching what's going on. As Paul was talking to this church, he said, I, I find joy and my joy I find in you and, and you find joy in the fact that we are co-ministers together and we've been reaching out and ministering together. Here's the last thing. Paul prays for them. Paul prays for them. Notice what Paul prays for them in their lives. First, he prays that their love will grow. Verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more. He, he prays first that their love may abound, that it may, that it may be in excess, that it may overflow. That's something that, that may be a little difficult for some of us is, is to say, you know what, I, I, I just hope that my love will grow for my brothers and sisters in this church. I hope that we can, we can grow closer and that our, that our love will continue to grow. The only way we'll ever do that, folks, is to spend some time together. The only way we can do that is to, is to minister together. And, and when we minister together and we visit together and we fellowship together and we begin to talk together and we begin to stand side by side and, and, and reach out to the community together, at that point, our love for one another begins to grow. And in that, we find joy. Secondly, he prays that they'll grow in discernment. He says in, in the last part of verse 9, the first part of verse 10, I pray that you grow in knowledge in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent. Having prayed that their love will overflow, he prays that they'll be channeled by knowledge and understanding and discernment. Now, now here's a distinction that needs to be made. The discernment that he's talking about is not just the ability to, to determine between right and wrong, but he's talking about the ability to discern between what's better and what's best. He says the ability to approve the things which are excellent. He, he kind of further amplifies this in Philippians 4.8 when he says, Brethren, whatever things are noble, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, then meditate upon these things. As Paul's talking about kind of the Christian attitude. He says, let us meditate, let us concentrate, let us think about on those things that are pure and lovely and good report and praiseworthy and, and dwell on those things, not dwelling on the negative things. Third, he prays that their, that their characters will mature. Now look at, at, at verse 10, the second part of verse 10. This is what he says, so that you may be without wax and without offense until the day of Christ. Now does anyone's translation here say without wax? Probably not. Probably your translation says that you may be sincere without offense. But when you look at this word, sincere, 
That word literally means in Paul's day without wax. So what in the world was he talking about? During that day, they made pottery. And when someone made a piece of pottery, they would, they would find any imperfections in the pottery and they would take wax. And they would fill those imperfections with wax. So that when you looked at the pottery, it looked perfect. But when you would buy the pottery, those who were wise or streetwise, they would, they would hold it up to the sun, and if there's wax in there, they could see through that wax. In other words, it was something that, that was used to cover up blemishes. So what Paul was actually saying is, I pray that you would be maturing your faith with no wax covering up your imperfections. So, so think of that, that you may be sincere, that you may be without wax and without offense until the day of Christ. Paul wants their character to be without offense. That, that, has two, that has two different implications or applications, not taking offense lightly. In other words, you know, folks, it's just, uh, you know, they're just, they get their feelings hurt like that. I mean, you, just any little thing, any little ism, and, and, uh, and they're, they're, they're just upset immediately. Well, that's, that's one of the applications Paul is talking about, uh, that you may be sincere without wax, with not taking offense lightly, not being easily offended. And the other side of the coin is this, not, not giving offense. You know, it's real easy for us to just be offensive to some people, causing other people to stumble and, and being a stumble block, stumbling block to someone else. That's what Paul's prayer was for them, that they would be sincere without wax, but without offense, not, 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 taking, uh, not taking offense lightly and, and being easily offended, but not giving offense easily and, and causing others to stumble. And, and here's the last thing. Finally, he prays that they'll live fruitful lives. He says this, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and the praise of God. He uses a, a term here, being filled. That's, that's a perfect tense, which means having been filled, but their fullness still abiding. In other words, he says, when we accept Christ, we were filled with his righteousness, but it's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing thing, and it's something that we've been saved for a reason. God's not merely saved us to go to heaven. If He just saved us to go to heaven when, we're, when we were saved, He'd just take us home. If that's the reason He saves us, but, but He saved us for a purpose. He, he saves us for a reason. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and the praise of God the Father. Most of us here probably know Ephesians 2.10. You may not know it by, by where it's found, but you probably know the words. Uh, verses 10 and 11, or uh, verses uh, 8 and 9, excuse me. We know those verses because it's the verse that says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves that anyone would boast. But it's a gift of God, not of works. But we're not so familiar with verse 10. Listen to what verse 10 says. For we, the church, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, listen, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
That's Paul's prayer. He, he prayed that we would live fruitful lives. You know, in living fruitful lives, we find joy. That's where we find joy. When we're, we're living a fruitful life, in that we find joy. If we're going to restore the joy in our lives, we need, to, we need to watch out for those things that steal our joy. We need to watch out for those things that come and, and rob us of what God wants us to have. Our, one of the great demoralizing things in life are our fears from our past that we let steal the joy in the presence. I, I found this poem, and, and we're going to close with this. It's Helen Malacott, and she wrote this. I was regarding the past and fearing the future, and suddenly my Lord was speaking My name is I Am. He paused, and I waited. And he continued, When you live in the past with its mistakes and regrets, it's hard. I'm not there. My name is not I was. And when you live in the future with its problems and its fears, it's hard, because I'm not there. My name is not I will be. But when you live in this moment, it's not hard. For I am here, and my name is I Am. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, I pray today that we would just consider Paul's words and Paul's encouragement, that we might find joy in our salvation. Father, we know that you've called us into your kingdom, into your family, into your church. And you've given us joy in our salvation. And Father, I believe today in our, in our world today, in, in, uh, in our church, in our county, in our state, in our country, we've lost the joy too often that you desire for us. Father, as we look into your word, you've, you've made it plain where we find joy and how to restore the joy of our salvation, Father. I, I pray today, Lord, that you would take the words that you have placed before us, Lord, that we would retain those things which are right and those things which are just and those things which help us grow. Father, the things that can destroy or confuse, I pray, Lord, that they'd be cast from our memories and from our minds, Lord. We know that you're not the author of confusion, but Father, I pray today that we would consider our joy in you, our joy in serving you. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this place and for the ministries that we've come alongside as partners that you've led us to, that you've brought to this church, and Father, we look forward to ministries that you have prepared for us, already prepared in advance for us to do, Father. I pray that we wouldn't want to be a spectator, but Lord, we'd want to be involved with with that, Lord, that we might experience the joy you have for us in serving others. Lord, I pray in this church our love may abound even more, that we would invest our time, that we would invest just some hours and some some days and getting to know one another as opportunities arise, as we have chances to, to go mission trips together, as we have chances to fellowship together at meals, as we have chances to visit even in the hallway or after service or before the service, Lord, that, Father, we'd make the most of every, every opportunity that, that our love may abound, that our love may grow. 
Father, I pray also that we would be sensitive to the movement of your Spirit. I pray, Lord, that we'd be sensitive to others' needs and others' desires. Father, I pray that you'd restore to us the joy of our salvation. Lord, today as we go from this place, I pray that we'd leave just with a song in our heart. I pray that we'd leave today knowing your desire for us. I pray that we'd be able to go back and remember those folks that have have just uh, had an impact on us where we found our joy. And Lord, I pray that we'd know that for someone here, we are their joy. Lord, I pray we'd share with one another uh, as you would lead us that we might be an encourager to the brethren. Lord, again, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity we have to be here in this place to serve you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. And thank you and you're dismissed this morning.